Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is October 14th, 2020, which means I am on day 305 in a row of 365 promised episodes that brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. We'll move over CBD and THC because there's a new cannabis compound that's going to gain popularity, I'm certain, and is stronger than each of those different cannabinoids. What is it? EPM-301. Professor Raphael McCallum has realized that there's a third chemical compound in marijuana that's actually even more potent than the first two that we already know about. Only it appears at the end of the life cycle of a marijuana plant, later in the budding stages, and it also appears unstable until recently when he figured out a way to stabilize this compound and now can be used for medical research and to aid people during chemotherapy or suffering from nausea and depression, and people with irritable bowel syndrome who have stomach pains. I mean, this compound is an acid-based version of a cannabinoid and is stronger than the other two combined. The name is cannabidiolic acid methyl ester. That's the full name of this compound, yes. Now, apparently... In its unstable form, it's not, you know, it's useless. But he figured out a way through a process of esterification and is able to actually stabilize the compound for use. And I can't wait to try it. You know, a lot of people are like, oh man, this is great for the medical world. I, I, you know, I'm super excited that they found another compound in weed that can also help medically. Well, what about the people that just like getting stoned? I'm down to try this stuff. It's super strong. It's got the words acid in it. It does have the word meth. That always kind of makes me weary. But either way, it's a natural compound. And the stabilization process is also natural. So I say this guy, the godfather of cannabis, has once again shown to the world that there's even more uses for this plant than we previously thought. Some people these days absolutely love spice. Like they can't eat food unless it's spicy. I know Mexican candy is that way. Every Mexican candy is either too salty for me or way too spicy. Which to me doesn't make sense. Candy and spice, I don't put those two together in my head at all. I feel like they have to remain separate. But apparently Dunkin' Donuts does not feel that way. As they are offering, before this Halloween, their patrons to enjoy a ghost pepper donut. Yes, the second hottest chili in the world, the ghost pepper, I believe the Carolina Reaper is the hottest, is now one of the ingredients in a spicy donut option presented by Dunkin' Donuts for people who enjoy burning their mouths 
while they eat sweets. Now for me, I like a, a Boston cream or a maple glaze or even an apple fritter. But the last thing I want on a donut that I'm eating is ghost pepper powder or cayenne, which there's apparently a combination of both, both cayenne and ghost pepper mixed in to the icing that goes on this on this donut. Now, I do not understand how that could be good. It's not making sense to me in my head right now. But I guarantee you people are going to love it, eat it up, and it'll become a yearly tradition for Dunkin' Donuts, who has now reached the ultimate level of low to try and get people back into their stores to buy donuts during this pandemic. And as, as far as they've reached... This seems to be the furthest to grasp the spice lovers of the world and get them back interested in eating donuts again with a ghost pepper and cayenne glazed donut. I am not about to try that. I'm sure half of the people that listen to this podcast segment absolutely want to try one just from the way I described it. And for those of you who do, you're crazy. Strike cry cry. Well, Mike Tyson recently appeared in a Good Morning Britain interview. Uh, Apparently, it's just like Good Morning America, but it's over in the UK. And it looked like he was on something. I mean, he did not sound normal or look normal. At one point during the interview, he puts his head down like he sniffed a rail or something and then comes back up and he's like slurring his words and just... Looks and sounds like a pile of dog shit as he explains that he's ready for his fight against Roy Jones Jr. coming up, and I just I don't think he is. I mean, yes, his training videos make him look like he's in phenomenal shape. They do. But I'm just not sure every day he consistently feels that way. Because on this day, when being interviewed, he looks like death and sounds even worse. I mean, you have to see this interview. It's terrible. I'm sure the producers of this show were just in shock afterward. They were like, this guy is going to go fight someone in a ring soon? I mean, I don't know if he's suffering from, like, head trauma over the years of getting punched or if it was too much partying. And if he's just hung over or something, I mean, I guess... That's okay, but if it's me, you know, I'm I'm just throwing some cold water on my face, clearing my throat and getting ready for this interview and making myself look good, which he did not do. He made himself look terrible, and this poor guy is just going to fall apart in that ring. I am positive about this. I hope these dudes really go in there with the mindset that they're not going to destroy each other because if they start getting let the emotions get the best of them, and really start fighting, one of these old bums between Tyson and Jones Jr. are going to seriously die in there. Like, we are going to witness a murder take place that we paid to watch. I just don't see this being a smart idea for either of these guys. But you better believe I'm going to watch it, and you better believe it's going to be entertaining, uh, just like it was with this short video of Mike Tyson on a private jet 
with UFC Commissioner Dana White, and Tyson taps him on the shoulder and tells him he's got to get up out of his seat so that he can lay there with one of those nice neck pillows. And, of course, it was a joke. In the end, they're close friends. Everyone knows Mike Tyson goes to the UFC events all the time. He sits by Dana White. They're buddies. You know, it was just a, a little funny bit that actually, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. It really is. But I don't know what's going on through Mike Tyson's head any day. Nobody does. Is there anything left in there? Does he have any brain cells working still? I'm not sure. But it doesn't take a genius to realize it's a bad choice for this guy to fight at age 50. But I guess we're just going to watch it anyways and see what happens. The last time he was in a ring, or octagon for that matter, was when he refereed a fight in the octagon for... I think it was world extreme cage fighting or something. And you know what? It only lasted 59 seconds before one of the fighters knocked the other out. And Mike Tyson was holding up his hand as the champion. Will someone be holding up Mike Tyson's hand as a fighting champion once again? At the end of this Roy Jones Jr. Mike Tyson fight, only time will tell. Everyone keeps wondering, who will be the new Wolverine? There's so many people interested in portraying the role of Wolverine and taking over the franchise for Hugh Jackman so he can once and for all put his claws away and never reprise his role as the character because that's what he wants so badly, apparently. I don't know why, because, gosh, he was just the best Wolverine ever. Some people think it's Taron Edgerton, who is more famously known for his time in the Kingsman franchise. He's great. And he also was great as Elton John in the biopic. But this guy, you know, he's, he's kind of small, which is who the Wolverine should be. In the comic books, he was a short little guy. You know, he was ferocious. And he was hardcore, but he was small. Now, we all know Thor is Chris Hemsworth. He is Thor. Thor is he. And even though in Thor Love and Thunder, he supposedly will be passing his, you know, the baton, if you will, but really it'll be his hammer, to Natalie Portman to become the new Thor, a female version or whatever. Uh, I don't know if that's the last we'll ever see of Thor being played by Chris Hemsworth. But I will say, in one of the Thor movies, where Thor returns to his home and finds a Shakespearean-style play being played out about himself, and the character playing Thor in that play is Luke Hemsworth, Thor's older brother, we realize then that he has not just... Chris Hemsworth, Luke Hemsworth, and the other Hemsworth. I don't even remember the third one's name. But he has multiple options for family to stand in for him or to portray him as a joke in a movie like this in a, in a play format, which was funny. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, Luke Hemsworth says he's dying to play Wolverine and take Hugh Jackman's place. He says, you know what? I'm Aussie anyway. And so was Hugh Jackman. Let another Aussie take the reins. That sounds 
reasonable, I guess. He is a little tall, you know. Again, Hugh Jackman isn't a small guy either, so I guess now we've gotten used to Wolverine being a larger gentleman. Not somebody who's too small, like the comics had him. So maybe we should just keep that trend going. And apparently, his entire life, Luke Hemsworth has obsessed over the idea of playing a comic book character in a movie ever since he was 10 years old when he used to draw and copy comic books, which got him into art, apparently. And he he really wanted to be Spawn, saying Todd McFarlane was his favorite comic book artist, but also Batman. He said he would have fought Robert Pattinson for that role, which he may not have to actually fight him for it, because Pattinson is apparently in such poor shape physically that they have delayed the making of that Batman movie until he gets in better physical condition. They made up lies that it was COVID that stopped the production of that film, but it is not COVID. It is Fat Robert Pattinson. Either way, it looks like Hemsworth will stop at nothing before he is a character in the MCU once and for all, whether it's an X-Men character, a Fantastic Four, perhaps he'll just reprise his role as fake Thor in another Thor movie as a joke. I don't know. But I think it would be pretty sweet to have two of the Hemsworths. Oh, the third one is named Liam Hemsworth. Now I remember. Two of the three bros in the MCU at the same time. Maybe even have them fight each other at one point. That'd be kind of comical. Either way, I feel like he's a good choice. He's a good actor. He's got the look. And he's Aussie, like he said. So was the last one, Hugh Jackman. Let's keep it real. Big news on the set of Spider-Man 3. Apparently, they have officially signed on Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire to join Tom Holland and face their biggest foes in a Spider-Verse battle of the ages against Kraven the Hunter, Scorpion, Electro, and the Green Goblin. Yes, all these amazing old Spider-Mans and all these Spider-Man foes will be in one awesome movie, able to battle with each other and against the, the enemies because of Doctor Strange, who will bring those Spider-Verses together. Now, I don't think I have seen a movie with Andrew Garfield in it since he played Spider-Man. And I know I haven't seen anything with Tobey Maguire since back then. I think Maguire was probably, to me, the better of the three Spider-Man. But I do like Tom Holland, and I'm, and I'm warming up to him. He's funny, he's witty, he's young, it works well. You know, either way, being a fellow Peter to Peter Parker, I, you know, I've always had kind of a, a little bit of a soft spot for Spider-Man. And I feel that this movie will be one of the most complete MCU films of all time, tying together old storylines, bringing old characters back, and now officially introducing the Oscorp to the Spider-Verse as we know it now in the MCU version. And I'm pretty excited about that because now you have Nick Fury's uh, galactic version of S.H.I.E.L.D. known as S.W.O.R.D., which is basically the same thing as S.H.I.E.L.D., only interplanetary. And it's going to be... 
You know, it's just going to open the door for a whole new world of crazy storylines that can tie together. I think they're really trying to do a little bit of what DC is planning to do with this whole Batman and Flash movies coming out where they're bringing back old characters and going to different multiverses and it's just going to be an awesome display of nostalgia for those of us who grew up watching the other older movies and for the youngsters nowadays who don't even know who these guys are but will now finally find out that there was previous Spider-Mans and there was previous bad guys and we saw them fight before, we loved them and now we'd love to see him again, especially the Green Goblin. I'm excited about that. That was one of my favorite characters when I was young and I used to read comics. Uh, pretty much, Spider-Man 3 is going to be amazing. Expect it. <laughs> Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gavitt podcast that we all absolutely hate. I'm kidding, you all love it. It's Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hankst, and Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today, folks, I'm going to tell you the story about what I did yesterday. Yeah, that's not going to sound very fun to most people. They're like, why, why do I care what you did yesterday? Well, it's because I went to the most amazing Southern California beach I think I've ever been to. It was in Laguna Beach at Victoria Beach. There's a lot of names for this. Right next to something called the Pirate Tower. Now, if you've ever been to this place, it actually has a very old giant tower with a wooden circular staircase inside that I guess some people can go in. We couldn't because it was locked at the bottom and I don't have access to the top because I'm not a rich person with a $17 million cliff-edge house in Laguna Beach. But what I am is a person who loves an area that's not overpopulated with people and has a nice wave crash coming to the shore with a little cove to swim in and crystal clear water that you can see to the bottom of, and that is exactly what this place had. It was magical. I showed up and I couldn't believe my eyes. The actual trail to get down to the beach and the staircase to get down is in between two mansions, like beautiful houses right on the cliff edge. And you go in between them and there's just a teeny little trail, a teeny little sign. That's why probably most people can't find this place, which makes it less populated and makes it amazing because there was almost nobody there. And as soon as you arrive, the shoreline opens up to this beautiful cove type scenario with like, I mean, there's fish around. You can see directly through the water all the way to the bottom with a nice little wave crash that comes in against these rocks that form a perfect circle where you can swim in the wave pool. And I brought my children, my son, he had his floaties on. He was loving this. He just jumped right into the water and enjoyed the waves over and over and over. My daughter, Claire, she swam straight out into the center of this thing. No regard for her own safety. Loved it. It was so fun. I was out there with him. I had a blast, but the best part was I had my Serbian friends with me, and they are some of my favorite people in the entire world. Milan, Teodora 
and Stefan. Just these three amazing people, so nice, so generous, so loving. The best friends you could ask for. Not to mention they are fun as shit. They brought three different types of homemade liquor from Serbia called Rakia, which is just fantastic, by the way. The drunk you get off of this is like nothing else I can ever describe. In fact, I plan on making this and selling it nationwide someday because I, I am certain this will be one of the most popular liquors to ever hit shelves in America, if only it will. And we drank, we smoked, we straight west coast. I was out in the sun all day. My face is beet red. And I just tell you, it was the most fun I've ever had. And typically with the real stories, I tell you something about my past. You know, there's a lesson to be learned. There's all this stuff. But I had to share with you this place I went yesterday in case you ever get a chance to go there because it was just magical. Every moment of yesterday was perfect. I just wish I could live in that place for the rest of my life. I wanted to stay in that water forever. We saw the sunset as we left. We just had such a fantastic time and we even ended the night with California burritos, which was a bad idea because I woke up at 12.30 and had explosive diarrhea as you could expect. But it was all worth it. I saw my friends. I had a blast. And you know what? Pirate Tower. It looked awesome. You could actually see inside of it, and there was actually two towers next to it, but it was like a towering staircase that went into people's, you know, mansion, backyard. But the pirate tower itself, I must go in there eventually. I'm hoping someday it'll actually be open. It looked awesome. Look it up. You'll be seriously surprised at what I'm describing. And if you're ever in Laguna Beach, you have to check it out. Typically, I'm not a fan of the OC because it's just a bunch of rich assholes. But you know what? These people were nice. They all looked a hundred times better than me. So it was like eye candy for everyone. And I had an amazing time. Thank you very much for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. It means the world to me to have listeners like you. I'm pretty tired, so I'm going to call it a day because I spent my entire day in paradise yesterday sitting in the sun getting drunk. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Now, folks, we all know I like underground hip-hop, and I like rock and roll, I like rap, I like classic rock, I like oldies, but I, for some reason, have a soft spot for random feel-good music every once in a blue moon, and uh, I got a song that is exactly that, that I'm going to play for you right now, that I know you have heard anyway, so don't deny that you love this song, and for fun, here it is. It's called Walking in Memphis by Mark Kahn. Put on my blue suede shoes and I boarded the plane Touched down in the land of the Delta Blues In the middle of the pouring rain WC Handy won't you look down over me? Yeah, I got a first class ticket, but I'm as blue as a boy can be. Then I'm walking in Memphis. Just walking with my feet ten feet off a beam. Walking in Memphis. 